Well, let's quickly, let's go to the book of Matthew uh, chapter 6. And I want to go through some very important truths about prayer and especially corporate prayer. And um, have you ever listened to someone preach and you say he was not biblical in his preaching? And um, that's, that's a that's a dreadful thing. That's a dangerous thing when someone is not biblical in their preaching. But are you aware that you must be biblical in your praying? Um, so many, we're not allowed to preach what is right in our own eyes, nor are we allowed to pray what is right in our own eyes. And we need to learn how to pray from studying the great prayers of Scripture. Now, there's only one place in the Bible where anyone asked Jesus, teach us something. They never asked Jesus to teach them to walk on water. They never asked Jesus to teach them to cast out demons. They did ask Jesus, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Now, here's something. People will see prayer as something so mysterious, you know, and they want to be taught on how to pray. But when someone asked Jesus, teach us to pray, He said, okay, pray this way. And it seems like very few people take him seriously. Part of that is because it's the Lord's Prayer uh, in Matthew 6, and it has been abused by people who've turned it into vain repetition. You know, say the Lord's Prayer 100 times. But we do not need to go to the other extreme and ignore what Jesus said. As a matter of fact, here, we find the greatest teaching on prayer ever given. And all the other prayers of the Bible, whether they be in the Psalms or whether they be in the epistles of Paul, all the other prayers fit in to this. So let's look at it for a moment. First of all, um, he says in verse 9 of chapter 6, pray then in this way. Lord, how should I pray? Well, pray this way. But very few people, even sincere Christians, pray this way. So what is he saying? First of all, he says, our father who is in heaven. Here we see the perfect attitude by which we should approach God. He is our father. He is our father. And we can approach him in Christ without dread or fear of condemnation. But when someone tells you that the translation for Abba is daddy, that's not true. That's not true. Why? Because Abba communicates more than just endearment. It also communicates respect. And when someone just goes, calls God daddy, it's not the same thing. Because in the English language, it does not communicate the respect that he deserves. And so he is our father. He completely accepts us in Christ, and he loves us beyond anything a preacher could describe. Yet at the same time, never forget that your father is in heaven, and he's the king of glory. He's the Lord of all. He's the creator of the universe. He holds everything in his hand. Everything was made for him and by him. He's king of kings and Lord of lords, and you approach his throne with great respect. When I see a preacher do something like this, I know there's a problem. When I see a preacher 
uh, stand before his congregation and go, it's good to see you all here today. And we're going to have a wonderful time in God's house. Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you. I realize that man's got problems. He really doesn't spend a great deal of time in prayer. You do not go before God that way. You go with full confidence, knowing you're completely loved. At the same time, you go carefully and with great respect. With great respect. And we're warned about that throughout the scripture, being careful with our words when we go before the Lord. So there's the psychology. You can go to him regarding anything. He is your father. He loves you. You're completely accepted in Christ. And yet never forget this God, this father of yours is the king of the universe and deserves all respect and honor. Now let's go on. He says, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Here's almost something like a trinity or like a diamond with three facets. So we see it's, it's kind of like one prayer and yet it's Three prayers, three and one. And they're both kind of talking about the same thing. Now, here, more than any place else almost in the scriptures, is revealed the heart of Christ. What was Christ's great passion above everything else, even above his relationship with his people? What was Christ's great passion? It's summed up here. First of all, Hallowed be your name. The word literally means separated be your name. And, and the idea is this. Have you ever heard it? Maybe it watched an old British film where someone said for God and country or for, for God and king. Those are very wrong statements. You do not put God in a conjunctive relationship with anybody. And, and what Jesus is praying here is that it is his desire, his passion that God's name be placed in a category completely separate and distinct from all other categories, from all other persons, places, and things. When he says, uh, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Pure of heart there is a heart without mixture, without any competing loyalties. Do you see that? And so Christ's prayer and is that God's name be exalted above all other names in the mind of every sentient being, in the mind of every creature, that God's name be esteemed as supreme and placed in a totally other category. God is not like us, just bigger and better. God's not like us at all. He is in a completely different category. And so when we pray, our great desire, when we come together in church and things like that, Yes, we should pray for Aunt Sarah's knee, and yes, we should pray for this and that. But what you need to understand is that's not the bulk of our praying. Our praying, our great passion is what? That in, in us, first of all, as a person, my prayer ought to be that God's name be for me in a completely distinct category above all other categories without any competing loyalties. And then I look out in the church and I want the same thing for my church. I want the same thing for my family. I want the same thing for the world, that God's name be exalted above all other names and held in the highest esteem. Secondly, he says, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. 
your will be done. That the reign of God in Christ, not just don't just think that it expands into the most remote parts of the world, but always start with yourself in this situation. First of all, when I'm praying, thy kingdom come, I'm praying that in me, the kingdom would encompass my entire life and I would be totally devoted to the kingdom, that my wife and my children would be totally devoted to the kingdom, that my church, that God's people throughout the world, and that the lost world would come into subjection to the kingdom of God in Christ. And of course, what follows with that is the evidence that the kingdom has advanced is that in me, is that I am submitting to the will of God. Thy will be done. And that my wife and my children and my church and the believers throughout the world, that they would all be submitting to the will of God. And that those who don't even know the will or who are opposed by the will, they become converted and themselves joyfully submitted to the will of God. That is the passion of Christ. That is his heart. Now, I want to, we just have time to touch on one last thing. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, when someone teaches this, they usually talk about daily. You know, he doesn't say, give me bread for 20 years. He gives me daily bread. Well, that's true, but that's not the main point. Sometimes we're always missing the main point. What you're asking for is this. You're saying, God, my great passion is that your name be hallowed, your kingdom come, your will be done. Now, all I'm asking for materially is that you give me those things that are necessary for me to labor so that your name will be hallowed, your kingdom will come, and your will will be done. Do you see that? We're asking for God to sustain us so that we can give our lives, so that his name is hallowed, his kingdom comes, and his will be done. That's what we're asking for. We only want bread so that we can serve him. We only want a car so that we can drive to a certain place and witness. You see, it's, it's all for him, everything for him. I'd like to lead us in prayer before I go, if that's okay, brother. Yes, please. All right. Father, I come before you in the name of your Son. And I pray, dear God. I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ who are gathered here to pray. Oh, dear God. They have assumed the most important role in the kingdom. Lord, purify their desires and then give them the desires of their heart. And I pray that you will use this praying to bear fruit, though unseen possibly in this world, will be accounted for in glory. Dear God, strengthen them in prayer. Refine their praying to be conformed to the mind of Christ. And Lord, use this. As we see, Lord, in the book of Revelation, that the prayers of your people go up feebly and seemingly without power and yet return to the earth with the force, Lord, of thunder and lightning and earthquake. Dear God, bless them, strengthen them, and use them, that your name would be hallowed, your kingdom will come, 
and your will will be done. In Jesus' name, amen.